tune in, tone up. The one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. In episode 10 of this podcast, Dan puts on a comfortably numb backing track, and I have a go at improvising over the top. Dan identifies some strengths and suggestions about my playing, leading to some outstanding advice on using themes to create interest and help in the moment. Okay, Dan, I really enjoyed that lesson uh, a couple of lessons ago, I think it was now, on blues improvisation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'd just like to look at hints or techniques or thoughts you might have about improvisation and how to make my own improvisation a little bit better. Okay. Yeah, I I think it's the question that ends up on anybody's lips who's sort of presented with a scale and told to go and create with it. You know, it's it's a bit like someone with no idea of how to bake a cake being left all the ingredients on the table and going, well, go on then, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell are going to make? <laughs> will not be edible. Um, yeah. So when it when it comes to, to the notes, you know, the, the notes really are the thing that you can place over the chord, but how you put them there, where you put them, how you decide to make your solo stand out, um, these, these are the things that are all important. It's not always about what are the scales. If I had a quid for every time I've heard people say, what are the scales, what are the chords, what are the strumming patterns? It's not a box of Lego. It's not a Lego set. Yeah. It's not that if you've got all the right bits that you can put it together if I give you the instruction manual. It's not quite as simple as that. It's better you, to think rather than copy sometimes. Copying definitely has its uses, but at the same time there's a fine line between, you know, gentle plagiarism and... Um, an outright lift, yeah, yeah, as it were. But it's knowing how to put things together. If if you want to be that person who can come up with a good improvised solo, you're going to have to go through the pain barrier somewhat. And I think maybe a little direction in terms of how you put those things together can be very, very helpful. Yeah, and direction about how to practice as well, I suppose. Although I imagine it's a case of finding lots of backing tracks and playing over them lots that's definitely a, a starting point. Many years ago, when I had lessons in my teens with a chap called Brian Kellner. He said to me once, he said, I haven't really done much. He said, I've just shown you the shortcuts. Yeah. And I, I do think there's a lot of truth in that when it comes to, to a, a teacher of music. If you love music and you love the instrument that you play, sooner or later, you'll rise to the occasion and you'll crack it. I know Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters said, I never had a lesson. So if he, he said, if I wanted to get good at something, I just carried on until I got good at it. And there's a, a lot of truth in in that statement. That, you know, you, you do have to hammer things. But also a guitar teacher can, can guide you, you know, into, into, you know, sort of maybe 
finding more constructive and more economic ways of getting to the end game, you know, which is maybe yeah. producing that solo that's, a, that's an absolute corker. I think it's good as well to sometimes maybe look at other people's solos and how they are put together and constructed. And there are lots of different kinds of solos. Let's clarify as well what we mean by improvised. What to you is improvised? If I was going to say something was improvised, properly improvised, I would say that uh, it's not been fully pre-planned. It's not been written note for note. If it had been written note for note, I, I, I would call that, that you know regurgitating a solo that's been written. And I'm sure it's a good thing to do, but I would say improvisation is coming up with it on the spot. You're probably repeating like licks that you've learned. Right. But, you know, improvisation is coming up with that on the spot. I do apologise in, in advance, but I'm absolutely Hank Marvin. Yeah. So I'm going to give you another food analogy. Okay, good. <laughs> Excellent. I like the food analogy. Have you, have you, I'm have hungry. You, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it. I have spag bowl waiting after this. <laughs> um, have you ever been in the situation, maybe you've gone round to mothers or friends or whatever, yeah. they weren't expecting you to be there and they go, oh, I've, I've just got this meal together, don't worry, I've improvised something. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. it was truly improvised, like, I'm going to cook him something I've never cooked before, <laughs> you'd probably be in A&E. Yeah. Um, but, you know, usually it means that they've, they've, they sort of know what they're doing, yeah. you know, they, they, but they're, they're, they're getting together what they can from what they know works already. Now, when you improvise a solo... It's not um, not really immensely different from that. It's not that you've never put this note and this note together, but it's maybe you haven't used the notes quite like this, or maybe you've got this lick, but you haven't put it to anything before, or you're you're sort of freewheeling some of it and using some licks you know for other parts. Guitarist I've mentioned before that, that no one ever seems to know. In fact, I didn't know about him until I heard from Guthrie Govan who he was. A very favourite guitarist of mine, uh, Carl Verhaeyen, said that the, even the best people when they improvise, the, the people who are at the top of their game, you know, really at the top of their tree, he said even on a good night, are probably really truly improvising, otherwise truly playing stuff they never plan, maybe 30% of the time. But he said when you work out a lick, or you understand how a scale works against the backing, and you've put the time in to come up with things that that kind of work. Yeah. He said, that's like money in the bank. Exactly. Uh, and, and I do think it's, it is that kind of thing I've sometimes said to people about it being a trick bag. You know, mm. like you've got your bag of, of licks and stuff and it doesn't mean you'll never deviate from it and you can't learn anything new. But it means that these are your things. These are the things that you've worked out, that you've played a million times and you know they work. You might have played them in different keys. You might have played them in different settings but they're part of what makes up your style. The more things you've got in your trick bag, the more things you've got to pull out, that is the equivalent of what that Carl Verhagen was saying. It's money in the bank. Mm. And the more advanced and developed a guitar player you become, the more you can kind of bank away. Giving you an example, I once wanted to get into country, and I went all out for it. I bought a custom shop Telecaster, I went for it. I'd sat there listening to the licks, and it taught me a lot about using pick and fingers and, and all those lovely country bends and things like we've looked at in a previous podcast. But it's not something I'm going to use on every track with every band that I play with. Because in all honesty, I don't play with a country band. But some of the things are definitely useful, even if you're playing rock. 
the pick and fingers thing has found its way into my style. And if I ever did get a gig with a country band, in fact, I'd love a gig with a country band, then I could let rip with some of my country licks. So any Brighton country bands listening in, <laughs> give us a call. Employ me. <laughs> I'm not too bad. But yeah, so, so to me, that's like my little bit of money in the bank that I don't get to use all the time, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah. So the licks are there. They're there when I need them. The technique and style is there and the sound when I need it even if I don't get to use it all the time. So whatever you learn, whether it's swing jazz yep. or whatever, at some time or other, you'll, you'll find a use for it. Yep. Even, even if it's to add a bit of spice or if you're trying to learn something in a new style, get it down. Put it in yep. your trick bag. It's a good thing to do. Okay. Listen to the music. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to find a good backing track for us to work with. And to start with, I'm just going to let you play over it. What sort of backing track do you want? Uh, something a bit Pink Floydy, okay. or Like a bit of uh, Comfortably Numb backing or something, if you've got that. Oh, all right, I hear you. I could try and remember the chords. It's good to know the chords first, isn't it, as well, of course. <laughs> that was something I was going to get into, because, of course, we haven't mm. actually played a note yet, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Comfortably yeah. Numb is a, a good backing track to start with. We're talking about the solo section because it, it's an ever-revolving piece of music that goes around and around and around and it doesn't deviate too much in its intensity. Really, the drama is brought to the table with the guitar play. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's all down to you. So it's in the key of B minor. Yeah. Then it goes down to A, then G, E minor, B minor. Okay. So how this is going to pan out? Anything in the the minor pentatonic and the B minor, B minor pentatonic, B minor blues. Yeah. And also the Dorian. The, Dorian would work over the first couple of chords, but once you hit the E minor and the G, yeah, the G you know, note in those G, two yeah, chords will on. clash against the G sharp. Yeah. So the safe places are B minor pentatonic, B blue scale, yeah. and the natural minor scale. Okay, gotcha. So what I'm going to do, shall we dial in some tones of wind for you? Yes, please. Let's do that. If you can. <laughs> I always have I got dialing toes of wind, Gary. Have I have I got a pick of wind? Oh, I blame the pick. You have a pick of <laughs> destiny, sir. Worry not. I'm just gonna check that I have enough. Yes, I do. Plenty there. But this is gonna be your solo. So we're gonna listen to what you're doing. Yeah. And then look at what we can do to maybe bring it together. Okay. Cool. Gary Shilladay, this is your, <laughs> this, this is, is your solo. <laughs> That's I started little, off a little bit badly there anyway. <laughs> that's right. That's a bit of buffering, I'm afraid, folks. No, that's all right. I've got to say, uh, I played an A minor up top. I've got to try and get my eye in on this guitar. 
I'm going to give you a little bit of advice while we're buffering away there. Yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> just, just as a starter for 10, what we really want with play is we want something that's instantly available on tap. Now, it's not a criticism, it's just an observation. You've got to remember how many guitar players I see throughout the course of my life. Yeah. And I'm still dealing with my own guitar-related problems. Often people say, I wasn't ready, or it's the drummer's fault, or I can't do yeah, myself yeah, yeah, yeah. properly. Or... There's all kinds of excuses. There are all yeah, kinds yeah. of excuses. One of the reasons session musicians get paid what they get paid is because they can turn it on. Yeah. So, you know, you give them, you give them a, a, a track to play over, and they will bring it. Straight away, no messing. I remember working, playing guitar for a guy. Sorry, we're just doing this while this is buffering. Yeah. And he said that his manager was recording some of the guitar on his backing tracks that he was working with. But he said, he said, what takes you half an hour to do in the studio, it will take dead all day. Yeah. And there's kind of the difference. Spending a lot of time recording. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, you want you want stuff. things to be sort of instantly available on tap this is all about again those those licks in the bag yeah. so let's roll it again yeah try and relax into the track yeah it's the best thing you can do often people blitz it even with with like a few notes which are you know kick, kicking off proceedings and if you're playing over something you're not used to playing over you need to take in the measure of the track how fast the track is and what the groove of the track is penultimately makes a difference to what you can play over the top that will work and what rhythmically sits nicely in the track. Cool. You know, yeah. remember as well that you're you're playing something that's quite a sombre, emotional track. I had to say to one of my pupils last yeah. week, he was playing the solo from something by the Beatles and he was kind of jumping into it a bit too quick. And I said, listen, this is a tender song. Yeah. So lay back, yeah. relax, settle into it. You know, gotcha, yeah. play behind the beat. Don't worry about trying to rush things. Now, with something like Comfortably Numb, even though you're improvising, you haven't got the set plan that he had. Try and do the same thing. Listen to the listen to the rhythm. Listen to how fast or slow the track is. Listen to where the chord changes are and try and settle into it. Rely on the guitar's immense ability to sustain, to give you the opportunity to listen to what's going on before you make your next move. Okay, that's all good advice. I try. Here we go. I've got to start. <laughs> I think it was a lot better, a lot yeah. better. You're a lot more relaxed into it. Okay, so I'm sorry if this feels like a reverse role and it's teacher teaching teacher. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. No, that's good. That's what, what we're here for. When you've got 
plenty of gain on tap, as we have. It's yeah. very tempting sometimes to use all of it. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you can control it and make it sound the way you want it to, that's absolutely cool. But it can also make the guitar quite a handful. So sometimes if I'm playing comfortably and I'm live, I will go in without fully opening the taps. Because it also gives me somewhere to go just to step it up a notch. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've got that. So you, you get less noise. On the volume a little bit, yeah? Yeah, so instead of having it maybe flat out. Maybe sort of take that down to five or six. Maybe a bit more, seven. makes the guitar yeah. that little bit more containable. You may find on your PRS that the volume levels are different as it's going to be more progressive than the Les Paul is. But, <laughs> but you, you see it's then it's on yeah. tap so when you want to make it more aggressive and more gainy and more rah, or you want to make notes sustained for longer yeah. it's the there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The other That's thing you, you might want to try as well is when you're bending I know you've got your little finger there the, yeah. the problem we've got at the moment is that your sort of thumbs over the top, you're kind of scrunching. Yeah. And as you scrunch, it makes for quite a noisy bend. Yeah. But yeah. just, so I mean, even there clean, it's kind of like going dook as it's yeah. sort of hitting the other strings in the fretboard. Try using your third finger in front. Still can use your thumb over the top. Use your third finger in front. It just, I just think you're. Instead of using a little finger. Uh, make sure you dampen the. Yeah, on the low strings at the bridge yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Give that a try. Yeah. So let's okay. let's go again. playing definitely yeah yeah for my money i'd have probably wanted a little bit more juice in there yeah 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 yeah. slightly more on the volume actually. Yeah. yeah but there again i can be a bit of a game monster but I, I like notes to really sing i think with this the when it comes to improvisation you know you've got to think as well what is appropriate yeah like i was saying to you about the guy who was playing something it was almost like he had this solo to do and he's sitting there thinking, oh no, it's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up. <laughs> Instead of kind of like taking in the vibes of the song. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, what you do when you do that is you you subtract from what the song's all about. Yeah. You know, if you yeah, if you've got an aggressive song, <laughs> you know, play aggressively. You know what I mean? Steve Vai famously famously said the art of rock guitar is making it sound as out of control as possible while you've got it totally in control. Nice. <laughs> and I amen to that. Yeah, yeah. Bang on the money. But yeah. It's... Even Eddie Van Halen <coughs> falling down the stairs. We've got, we've got some quotes there. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a lot of truth in that, but you have to take in the vibe of the song. With something like, like this, like Comfortably Numb, it's a kind of... It's almost like Dave Gilmore's version of Great Gig in the Sky, but on guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got that vocal quality. So bending, you know, taking it down into a technique area, bending, vibrato, melody, making the guitar sing. All of these, all of these things, and also at the end of phrases, you can afford to be quite rhythmic mm. with how you approach things. Can I, because I've played over this song a million times yeah, in the yeah, live yeah, band, yeah. can I give you my take on it? Yeah, yeah, please do, yeah. Okay. where I'm kind of at with it so there's some pentatonic licks in there the kind of rhythmic stuff and yeah that kind of thing we've got some melody now I've made this up you know it's not what's on the record yeah. I just found that when we were playing it live, it sounded cool. Yeah. So having a few melodic choices in there is good. Also using the range of the guitar 
it's very tempting to go, I've spent too much time here, I'm going up here. Yeah. Have a reason to go up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so one reason you can have is a, a lick that's ascending. <laughs> So you're you're kind of building that climactic excitement yep. within the within the tune. I think I find that sort of kind of thing quite difficult. Start with one phrase. So rather than sort of bungle your way to the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bungle no, rather, easy, rather, rather, rather than bungling your way to the top. Start with say a, a pentatonic phrase. Something simple as that. Then work well. Yeah. And so on. Yeah. You see what I mean? You you if you keep it in sort of fairly small boxes. It sort of works. Yep. With the vibrato, try and do vibrato as well at different speeds. Yeah. Because it's it's all too tempting to get the sort of you got a little bit of the old nanny goat vibrato going. Yeah. Can sound a bit weird if you kind of bend the note a little bit and then <laughs> it can almost sort of wobble a bit too much as they yeah. learn a tune. Try vibratoing at different paces. So. Or even slower still. That, that works well. It's a very common, say, failing sounds a bit mean. I mean, if that's the sound you're going for and that's the sound you like, cool. I find some, sometimes quick, too... quick, slow down as well? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, if, if you're going to do it quick, I, I like to hear it either quite sort of even <laughs> or on the end of a bend, you know. You so. got. You got to remember, a, a guitar is a petulant beast. You must yeah. grab the damn thing by the scruff of the neck and show it who's boss. <laughs> like Otherwise, it. they have a mind of their own, like an errant shopping trolley. I say, you know, they, they, they will have you. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly when you've got a load of game built into it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've got to yeah. grab the notes by the balls a little yeah. bit and, and and kind of squeeze out of the instrument what you want. You know, and sometimes it means hanging on the notes for dear life because strings do sometimes want to slip from beneath your fingers and all that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, especially you know if you're up there under the lights and it's all a little bit sweaty. Yeah. So you know, a guitar like a Les Paul like this is um, it's a whole hunk of wood and it does what it wants to do and you 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 kind of have to fight it a little bit to get out of it what you want. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, you know, especially up the dusty end on a Les Paul, it's, it's not exactly a dressed away heel there, is it? It's no. Cool. 
So let's go again. And then after this, we're going to talk about themes. So I want, I want to also kind of add in a little a little usefulness for everybody too. So yeah, okay. I'm hoping people are going to get something good out of this. Let's talk about the good bits and the bad yeah, bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think when you're using that little finger on the end, although it may not be you know, to take it away and use your third finger yeah. at the end of the, the line of fingers to bend with, might feel counterproductive if you've been so used to using the little finger. Yeah, I think what's happening sometimes is the little finger is almost stopping you bend as far as you need to. So you're not quite getting up to the bend yeah. kind of thing. So with a bend, you know, we should be able to go up to a whole tone bend easily on the top. So little finger, because it's so short, as we push up, it sort of gets in the way and it and it makes noise. Yeah. You know, and also it's for most of your pentatonic That's... and your blues licks, it's it's not gonna help you so much. Your first three fingers are gonna be more useful. You know? yep. All that kind of thing. Once you get into the more scaly three-note string stuff, like your 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 B minor pattern in natural minor then you're right the little finger becomes useful then <laughs> moving comfortably between the more bluesy style of using three fingers and adding in the fourth finger for a little bit more flow and for correct finger placement for the already shreddy go stuff is something that a lot of people have a bit of a battle with but i find personally if i bend with my little finger the feel for vibrato and everything just 
flies out the window. Yeah, okay. I've I've got more bending of the bronze and, uh, and feel and kind of feel. Yeah, and you know, you, you, your little fingers kind of restricting that movement, and also it seems to be more awkward. Yeah, it's so natural up, to do it. You know, I've got to try and use that a bit more. If it didn't, if you were getting the perfect results and it wasn't impeding anything, and you could get to all of your string bends the way you want to at the right pitch, yeah. and it wasn't stopping you. I would go, do you know what, just do it. That's what works for you, brilliant, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can see it's in the way, but I can see it's hardwired into your psyche as a guitar player yeah, to yeah, use yeah. it. Very true. I find that there's two ways of working. If I'm bending, um, three fingers works works well. I can get the other fingers behind that bend. <laughs> But once you start playing the sort of three note per string patterns, you know, where you're maybe speeding things up a little bit, yeah, the little finger has every right to be there and, and will, yeah, yeah, yeah. will work. You know, anyone listening to this, I want to say to them, you know, don't think that I'm advocating that this, you know, my way is the only way forward. Everyone's an individual. So what you, Gary, are yeah. having difficulties with on the guitar... Could be different to other people. Can Absolutely. Be. If they found a way of successfully bending with their little finger, great. I once had an interesting conversation with Doug Aldrich yeah. when he did a, a, a workshop. I know we discussed this before, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. And I said, I said, Doug, you, you've kind of got a weird hand position there for bending. He kind of keeps the thumb down, yeah. low in the neck, as if he was going to play some shred stuff. And then bends. And there's a few people who bend like that, but it's quite a rare thing. Most people grip the neck like a tennis back, yeah. like me. And he said, I've just got funny hands. Okay. I can't argue with what's flying out of your speakers, and I ain't gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. you know, if that works for you, mate, more power to you. Carry on doing it. Yeah, yeah. But if there's something as a teacher that you see that isn't working, yeah. or it's not as efficient as it could be, it's our job to kind of help you change it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The good bits. I want to focus on the good bits. Let's look at the advent of yours. When you were up here, you had some nice phrases going on around the 14, 16, 15, 17 kind of area. Pretty cool. There's some great B minor phrases up there. <laughs> I'm going to be working a load of this out. Yeah. Now, there's a couple of things here that are, are kind of important to the party. You swapped that really great area with some of the extra notes you were using for the, the minor pentatonic higher up. Yeah. And it was a bit of a shame, because I was kind of thinking you're getting some nice sounds out of that area. Go with it. Go with it. We as guitar players have this terrible hard wiring, for the most part. To go to the first position, or whatever it is, yeah. Well, that's one of the terrible hard wirings. Yeah. But the other one, which is even more unforgivable, is that it, it's like we've got ants in our pants. And yeah. we're all guilty of it. Don't sit there listening in on your iPad and put a comment on, oh, I'm not guilty of that, you are. <laughs> of course you are. You must be. You've got to be. I've never found anyone, including myself, who isn't. Is that we, we feel we've got to move around all the time. So we'll get something good and then we'll go, ah, that's great. And then we've got to move on, move on to yeah, something yeah, else. Yeah. So you get stick, a good... A, stick with it a bit, yeah. Yeah, if it's something good. Now, you only know if it's something good if you're using your ears. So you, that's where you've got to listen to the track. Listen to what you're doing. 
but know when to you know when you're improvising know when you've hit across a good thing and maybe explore yeah. that little thing now this brings me on to the subject of themes um, Scott Henderson did a brilliant video many years ago when he was wearing a terrible pink jumper so it must have been the late 80s yeah 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 and it was all about what he referred to as melodic phrasing. And he talked about playing over a blues. And he gave you an example of meandering through a blues, just firing mm. notes out here and there, not necessarily particularly fast, but just sort of sleepwalking through it, you know. And he said the problem with that approach is that you just played it, you've thrown it out into the audience, the audience has just absorbed it, and you moved on to something new. You know, they're kind of short-changed. Your brain and your fingers, your musical brain, is working at 900 miles an hour. They, the listener, who maybe don't play an instrument, they're not thinking like that. Their brains aren't working quite like that. So you you need to give people something to latch onto, you know? The phrasing and the themes. The phrasing and the themes. You know, there are times, if you're playing something technical, that jumping about is cool, and it works great, you know, for certain things. But there's also times when if you hit the money shot with a lick, keep on going, milk the idea. You know, what else can you do with this? Can you bend that note higher? Could you get a pinch harmonic out of it? You know, could you end the phrase differently? Could you, you know, I'm going to, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, because you're going to do this in a minute. (laughs) I'm going to play over the same thing, but I'm going to use the 14th to 17th frets up here that we talked about. And I'm going to play my whole solo on that and I'm going to milk the idea. Oh 
so it kind of got better over time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there were moments there I quite, it's quite enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, right. How did you find it being confined to one place? For me, actually, I found that almost a little easier. Like, I didn't have to worry about working out all the extra notes, moving around and everything. Mm-hmm. And maybe I found it more kind of uh, like you could explore that particular area and then settle on what you liked as well. So that's quite good. From the listener's point of view, you know, if you got to the point where you tidied up maybe some of the rhythmic issues and you know what notes are going to sound like over what chords, because the other thing is if you've done your homework, that also includes yeah. how, how notes sound over certain chords. Every note has a special sound over each chord. Yeah. In, a, in a given key. So if we're playing in B minor, B, C sharp, D, E, F sharp, G and A, and also the blues note even, all have a special sound yeah. over each individual chord. So if you played those notes one after another over a B minor chord, they would sound different to playing them one after another over the A chord or the G or the E minor. Yeah. How this kind of plays into to the whole improvising situation is you can get a repeated phrase that you can repeat a number of times. Over each chord. Yeah, and it works. Knowing sort of, uh, and will sound different every time, it's knowing too how to get the drama in there, you know, and being able to kind of squeeze out the most emotion from the instrument. If you're so worried about moving around all the time, you're not really leaving any brain space or putting any emotion into things. But every song is different. You know, some things it's emotion as in aggression. Sometimes yeah. it's a happy song, so it's yeah, that, yeah. it's a different kind of thing. So depending on what the backdrop is that you're playing over, obviously that's going to dictate the notes you, you can use successfully without sounding like a car crash, but it's also going to dictate the mood. You tell me this much, okay? Sorry, depth charge people. Bring it on. Bring it on, <laughs> Bring it on the Jager bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when we make music or play an instrument, Give me the top three reasons that we want to play an instrument well and want to go out and gig or want to make a record. Reasons that people have. I th- or your I think, reasons. Yeah, Give me my your reasons. reasons. I, uh, your lesson, your reasons. That's epic, isn't it? I hope so. <laughs> I'm here to make you think, people. It's not just guitar lessons, you know. This is life coaching. I think it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's like there's something that you have a deep connection to, which is playing your instrument, and you want to be able to show everyone what that is and how deep a connection that is. Yeah, I think there's a lot yeah. of truth in that. I, I remember talking yeah. to a vocalist and she said to me, she said, depending on the song, because for, for a vocalist, they want to connect with the lyrics if they're going to deliver it properly. You know, anybody can go and sing 20 songs in a wedding band, but actually connecting with the lyrics, now that's something else. If it's a song that actually has any kind of like import for you or, even, or if you're doing your own music you know it's bound to have some story behind it every song i've ever written has a story behind it but she said sometimes she said if i'm doing something that's kind of like a rock track or whatever she said i'm almost thinking of a a kind of cataclysmic situation going on behind me and and that kind of in my mind gives me the urgency in my vocal delivery i kind of know what she means if you look at a film it, it kind of like films are designed to you know depending on the scene portray certain emotions aren't they whether it's sadness happiness joy elation sufferings you know, whatever it may be and all of those things are kind of pushing the emotions out there and we're with with music it's a form of conversation it's a form of communication yeah. and we're trying to communicate something with our instrument 
Yeah. And although when we play the dog and duck on a Friday evening, that may not <laughs> be the first thing on our mind, when you get a song like the Pink Floyd song like this, where it is deep, Pink Floyd don't do any songs that aren't deep, really, mm. apart from Bike. Do you remember that one that Sid Barrett did? I've got a bike, you can ride it if you like. Yeah, not it's got a deep. basket in a bell. And lots of things to make it look not deep. However, the Floyd we know and love, Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty deep stuff for the most yeah. part. And the lyrics are quite interesting when you read them, you know, in, in a lot of their 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 music. And, you want you know, to mirror that, don't you, on your instrument, I suppose. You, you do, to... you do. You, you're, you're trying to communicate to people what the song's all about. If I'm playing over a rock track and it's going for it, I want some fireworks. Yeah. Whereas on a song like this, it's on, on fire in a different way. It's an emotional connection that you have with the piece that you're trying to get other people to feel. You're trying to get them to feel something. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? That's, you know, and you, that's definitely. Uh, if you can't get something, if you can't get people to feel something with your playing, then you failed. You failed in your mission, Jim. You obviously didn't want to accomplish it. I mean, you want you want people to kind of be engaged and to like what you do, and uh, and also to kind of connect with what you do. You know, if you're playing over a country track, you know, you've often got more jolly sort of licks, haven't you, and that sort of thing. Uh, and that's the other thing, isn't it? It's not like showing off, but you want people to stop and listen. Yeah, it's yeah. a form of communication, and nobody wants to be ignored. So you know, I'm not a bad singer, but this does what I vocally can't do. You know, me and a Les Paul. And a good valve amp does what vocally I cannot. Yep. It allows me to connect with the audience in a way that my singing voice, although it's all right, will never allow me to do. It's a form of ex- expression. You Makes know. loads of sense. And so yeah, it's deep stuff. <laughs> it is. It's but good we've... to think about it. Good to stop and think about it as well. It and is. There's everyone out there to be doing that too, I think. Many years, many years ago when I was sort of going around riding motorcycles in a crazy manner, I used to get a bike magazine every month. And there was this article once, and it was all about the different aspects of your riding. Work with me here, there's a point in the end. (laughs) And it had a pie chart. And in the pie chart, there was sort of, you know, road observation and sort of the technique of riding. And and it broke it down into all these different things. And it showed a new rider and how much time and brain space he has to put into actually riding the machine and controlling it. And a more advanced rider who's got all of those things down as muscle memory and how much more brain space he has to deal with everything else that's going on around him. Now, in a guitar playing sense, it's the same sort of deal. The more you get under your fingers, the more brain space you've got to emotionally kick people where it hurts out there in the nicest possible way. If your fingers will not do what you want them to do or you haven't spent enough time getting that stuff down... It's very hard to deliver anything with any conviction or emotion. Whereas when everything is there under your fingers, because you've honed it enough, you don't need to use every area of the neck, but you need to use the ones that work. You know, eventually you can get to grips with the rest of the neck. But, you know, even finding a small area of the neck and really hammering that, you know, and then move on to the next area. Yeah, and get advice. as much out of it as you can. Milk it. And then you'll find then you can get the more important job of kind of getting the motion into your playing going the other thing that i think can really really help which i do want to cover very briefly before we finish is themes any idea what i mean by themes i think you mean like phrasing so there's something which the brain latches onto and is possibly repeated or i i I play something and then i'll come back to that a bit later so that the audience are thematically 
Is that is that what you mean, or you... it could be that? Um, you certainly could do that. That could be part of it. I suppose I was thinking. Well, it's a very very good point you raised there. I, you know, when you hear in in sort of solos that kind of work the same thing repeated, it does kind of like drum it home. I've been yeah. giving you some quite drastically different examples. Richie Sambora's solo on "Living on a Prayer" is pretty much all melody, yeah, for the most part. And he he does have sort of the reoccurring sort of melodic theme throughout, and that kind of makes it tick. You know, Sweet Child of Mine, the intro and the bit that's played over the chorus, which has the same rhythm and culminates in the the initial lick of the tune. Mm. Again, it's that hypnotic, revolving kind of continuous theme sort of idea. Um, Don't look back into the sun by the Libertines. It's, you know, sort of quite a trashy sound. It's not my cup of tea, but I mean, it's quite a trashy sounding song. I've played it at weddings and things. But again, the guitar has that kind of... <laughs> if I well, played it... Yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. yeah you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. But that... That hammering the same idea, that same melodic phrase gets it into people's heads yeah you know in a solo sense you know you, from the theme point of view you don't always have to repeat the same theme incessantly like that does or like sweet child of mine does yeah but you can borrow the idea of having a theme using it for maybe a round of the chords and then moving on to another theme now a theme could be something as easy as a technique yeah okay like Okay, this lick I'm going to work on arpeggios. I'm going to do a lick which is basically outlining the chord progression. I could still outline the chord progression. You should always be thinking of the chord progression when you're playing. But maybe my next lick I'm going to look at maybe something which centres on bending. Yeah. You know, or I'm going to do a lick that's ascending or a lick that's descending. I'm going to do something more rhythmic. Slides or... Yeah, so like, okay... I'm going to play this backing track, and what I want you to do is you can tell me what themes you want me to play, okay? And for each round, I will play whatever theme you ask. Okay. <laughs> Start with bending, I think. Thank you. 
to work to yeah. you're less likely to run out of ideas yeah it's a brilliant idea. and also even if you sit there you know, when I used to record at home I was saying this to a pupil earlier when I used to record a lot at home if I was just sort of getting something together mm. and it's just a rough and ready thing I would write on a piece of paper all the techniques I wanted to get in it yeah and then I would Good work plan, to get yeah. them in there you know, I know it sounds like a slightly robotronic way of working, but sometimes we need ideas. Yeah. And actually having these different things as an idea can kind of focus our attentions. And the hope is that you'll, you'll work on those ideas so that you can pull them out of the bag like that when you yeah. need to. But that they'll also enter into your playing naturally so that they just occur where you want them to. So that your playing has that kind of flow so it doesn't necessarily sound disjointed you know if you want to put a pinch harmonic in there put one in there if you want to put a, a pentatonic run in there put one in there don't feel yeah. you can't because it's not on your list but it's it's about honing those things enough to be able to use them yeah and exactly using yeah, that theme idea that if i had a quid for every time i've heard people sleepwalk and meander through a solo is it's it's, it's they're just a bit lost almost aren't they it's yeah, like looking so. at a bird that can't fly it's just yeah. painful to watch yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just, <laughs> yeah you want to sort of grab them and go try this lit here and this, but people sometimes kind of like meander their way through a solo because they don't know any better and actually having some basic ideas to work with is a good call and sitting there telling yourself right I'm going to do a lick now and I'm, I'm going to work on string bending Hopefully, it won't stop there with the backing track. Hopefully, you'll sit there on another time when you don't have a backing track running and you'll work on your string bending licks or maybe you'll be disappointed with what you pulled out of the bag on the spur of the moment and you'll go, right, I will work on some, some bending licks, you know, because even that, sort of learning where all of the bends are throughout the scale could be something that, that benefits you later on and maybe your frustrations will be born out of the fact that you, you didn't know where every note was that you could bend from and to. Now you can learn, you know. Brilliant, thank you very much. Do you see much. where I'm coming from? I do see where you're coming from. Good. It's a lot of time to put in, that's the thing. <laughs> but it's but it's, there's shortcuts there. And uh, literally, I can, to be honest, listen back to that list of uh, things I just called out for you and turn that into uh, my own list. And then uh, I've got a backing track, comfortably numb backing track, Paul McDonough, and I can just play that and uh, go over it again and again. So thank you so much for that, it's brilliant. No problem. I, I hope you get um, get plenty out of it, and I hope everyone else out there gets something out of it as well. I think it is the six million dollar question. You know, I've got these notes. What do I do with them? Mm. Well, hopefully, now you'll know some of what you could do with those notes, yeah. and, um, and and maybe ways of putting them together. Yeah. So they're in a musical format. Oh, nice one. Thank you. No worries. 
Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar gear. If you enjoy this podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website at tuneintoneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and other resources. I hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. (laughs) 